0: Hi, I'm Lauren Denning, and welcome to my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore the LDS scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. I'm a long-time gospel doctrine teacher, sometime institute and seminary teacher, and a current theology student. My friends and I are often discussing history, context, and theology, and thought that you might appreciate it too. I think of it as a bridge between academic and inspiration. However, these opinions are my own and not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks again for listening, and I hope this will be a blessing to you on the road to discipleship. And we're back, Scriptorians. We are headed into, today, 2 Corinthians. And so we are going to take a little detour as we're going to uh, do the all about Corinthians today, but all about 2 Corinthians. And... We'll do a little context, a little what's going on, and a tone, and I want to take some time to do that and keep moving through Come Follow Me, because there's a lot to talk about in some of the other epistles, and they don't have a lot of time, as well as Revelation. We don't have a lot of time, so uh, please listen to this when it's the appropriate Come Follow Me lesson plan, but today, all about 2 Corinthians. All right. We've already talked about 1 Corinthians, so there's no real need to describe what Corinth was like and the cosmopolitan city and things like that, but there are two big issues that I think we could discuss, and the first was there is a little bit of context, and then the second, I do want to talk about tone and what's going on, because it is striking once you see it, and it's really... um, it's emotional. It's uh, Paul's very emotional in this letter and it's easy to gloss over it unless we take a jump back. So we'll do those two. And then last, I will take a third little segment and we'll just talk a little bit of structure so you can kind of keep it together in your mind what's going on. So with that in mind, the first thing I wanted to do is a little bit of context. Now, um, Really quickly, there's something interesting. We talk about First Corinthians and Second Corinthians. However, there's probably a Third Corinthians. It may very well have been uh, between First and Second, what we call First and Second. But we know that Paul established the church in Corinth, so he was the one that built the church up. And then he traveled. Remember, he heard from some of the folks, uh, Phoebe, etc., that it's going poorly there. People are really having a tough time, and he writes the letter. And then. In 2 Corinthians, he describes that his painful visit, so it's still obviously they were having a hard time there, and he also wrote them an additional letter. He said that was, it was very sad, it was very upsetting, and so he's, he's referring back to this, this in-between letter that he had sent, and then now he is finding out there's still problems and yet the people want to reconcile to Paul and they, they're kind of upset with him. He was just up with, upset with them. And so the overall tone that you're going to see a little bit is that uh, sorrow. So again, it's kind of a third Corinthians. We don't exactly know the timing, but that's what it looks like. So there's just all this kind of backstory going on. Additionally, Paul's writing in a time when Corinth, if you remember from first Corinthians, they had those different teachers and they were kind of poo-pooing, right? They weren't very. Uh, they had uh, dismissed Paul, right, for these other teachers, and that's going to happen again. That's still a problem there. And so he's feeling he, he was the guy that's established the church, and they questioned his authority. They want letters of recommendation, and so he he's kind of been uh, dismissed in a way. And so he's he's writing from that, and it, and that's kind of where, what Corinth was like because they're kind of blown him off, and then. He was in Ephesus recently. Ephesus is over in Turkey, uh, and he had caused a city-wide riot in Ephesus, which had caused him to flee and go to Macedonia. It's kind of the northern part of Greece, and today, and so he's writing from there, where from a this is sorrowful background, and so you'll see where he discusses that, but. Corinth is kind of having a tough time with them and Ephesus he's been hes had to flee um, and so he's, he's he's writing from this background and you're going to see this. So there's a little bit of that going on and and etc. So there's that. The other thing is this tone thing I keep bringing up is the sorrowful tone. Um, one of the well, have you ever known a person who has undergone, a terrible amount of suffering. It could be undeserved, in fact, and yet through it all, they become stronger, more purified. Uh, they can, they have more perspective. Can you think of anybody like that? Maybe, maybe that's you. And maybe, contrastingly, have you ever met someone who is through trials of life, whether uh, f- health or finance or? or just struggles, or really terrible abuse or something like that? Have you ever seen someone who has turned bitter and hard and broken? Well, that's kind of what Paul is coming from, that first viewpoint. And I was thinking of someone like a Victor Frankl man's search for happiness as uh, surviving the Nazi prison camps, how that has become a refining fire, Or Joseph Smith, who through all the trials and burdens that he went through, Also, a refining fire becomes better because of it. And that seems to be something that is fundamental about the gospel. And Paul is going to come through that. Namely, he's going to have this theme of kind of a strange comfort that comes through the suffering and death and the new resurrection, uh, uh, the life of, of the Messiah, Jesus, the Lord of the world. And this is the letter above everything else where he explores the meaning of Christ's suffering um, on the atonement and the cross, where he is saying in this moment of personal suffering, this is similar to the suffering that the Messiah's people will go through. Um, In Galatians, you'll notice he's kind of angry, he, the tone of he's kind of angry at him all the time, and then in Philippians he's very joyful. He loves the Philippians, the good old Lydia, and so he loves them there. And then, but here he's just sorrowful, and you're gonna see that where he's saying that pain and suffering are very real, and you know he's still humorous and he can still speak of some of these things that have happened, but this intense suffering to Paul in his own life both from what's happened in Corinth and Ephesus as well as the beatings he suffered um, he's been poor he's had to work for a living he has gone from house to house he's kind of been homeless during a lot of these times he's he's had he's, he's been in prison he's been uh, just really really struggling things that Paul's had to go through and he discusses that as the Corinthians gonna be the Corinthians are viewing that as man, this poor guy. You're gonna see this. He's like, You're poor, and you're not flashy, and you're not rich, and you're not famous. So how can we follow you, Paul, who are so destitute and beaten up and been thrown in jail? And um and he says, Well, this is this is how it works. It's this upside down part of suffering of our lives that purifies us and make a, makes us better. And he tells us that it is this is a testimony of Christ, of true Christianity, of a true disciple, is this suffering and sorrow. So take a look at that. You're going to see it throughout. Um, Again, he is going to summarize in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 3, and through there, uh, Paul describes this suffering of Jesus, that he died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And these are real events that took place for Paul. Christ's suffering and resurrection were real. And because they were real, everything in the world can be seen through that filter, that that experience means something to everything in our lives, right? Is that something that you think is applicable? Is that something you think, oh, I I don't have any suffering. I I don't need to know anything about that. Of course not. It's something that comes with life. It's part of the gig here. It's tough. We all go through it. And if we haven't recently, just wait, it's coming again. And so he's saying, but the real suffering of Christ is the lens, is the filter by which we see our own suffering and his own. So I want you to point out, I want you to point out that tone. I want to point that tone out to you because it's, it changes this, the feeling of this letter. Okay. So there's, there's that. So first, um, A little bit of context, then. Second, we just a little bit of tone. Want you to watch for that, and then let's talk structure. Let's talk structure for a minute. So I just put some notes. All right. So I think there are probably three big chunks that we can look at for Second Corinthians. The first one is chapters one through seven, and Paul is going to write quite a bit about reconciling with them. Uh, Remember he talks about why they rejected him. He talks about leadership and how Christ is a true leader. And they're going to, the Corinthians are really going to look to Paul and say, but you're not flashy and you're not rich and you're not this amazing speaker like we see in Corinth. So it's really hard to follow you. I mean, he's, he must be, Paul must not be <laughs> a very flashy guy as far as uh, worldly things. And amazing insight into him, though. You he he can almost just envision these people being so real. It's so cool. And anyway, they're, they're the Corinthians are struggling with that dichotomy of, of him being humble and yet being in charge. And so he's going to explain about Christian leadership, a true disciple of Christ, and it's not about status, right? It's pointing to Christ. And additionally, uh, in this part of reconciliation, chapter one through seven, we're going to talk about how they're going to ask for letters of recommendation. Um, letters of recommendation from Paul. Hey, Paul, we, we need your letters of recommendation. Oh, can you imagine? Oh, so awesome. And so it's so reassuring, though. These people are so much like us, right? Aren't they? Oh, sometimes we're so dumb. So, uh, anyway, and he's going to, you know, I'm sure just hit himself with the head, but he's going to say, hey, you guys, I don't need a letter of recommendation. Um, but it, it was, it's written by the Spirit, and then he, he quotes some Old Testament scriptures uh, and, and things like that, and then he's going to go on and talk about the covenant, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant again, um, and again, he's going to kind of sum up this whole idea in chapters 1 through 7 about this uh, topsy-turvy world, the upside-down way of those who are humble become strong. I love the way the Ether 12 says it, right? Right, My, I will make weaknesses become strengths unto you, that it is the greatest or the least in the kingdom right when we are suffering like Christ did when we uh learn to humble ourselves i like the way ezekiel 37 says it and that he says put in me a fleshy heart and take out my stone heart right and put the let the spirit work through me it's such a great testimony of humility but that's backwards for the for the world right the world is power and strength and squashing the little guy and making money and wearing important clothes and Facebook likes and all of that. And he's saying that's not what it's about. True power is humility. True power is following in Christ's footsteps. And and so he's trying to reconcile to the Corinthians uh, by teaching them about Christ and that real resurrection and humility of him. So that's section one, uh, uh, chapters one through seven. Then moving on and just quickly into eight and nine um, we'll talk about a little bit more in the next one. But there's uh, he was raising Paul was raising money. There was a famine in Jerusalem. And so the Jerusalem saints are struggling. And so he has been uh, everyone was planning on this. And Paul has been going and getting money from uh, the other churches and asked them to save. And uh, some of the poorest ones that he didn't expect, like the Philippians. Oh, the Philippians are always just on the ball. They're so awesome. Again, Lydia, way to go. And they were so poor, he wasn't expecting them to to contribute anything. And the Corinthians are quite wealthy, or wealthier than the Philippians, and they show up and they haven't saved anything. (laughs) And so instead of beating them over the head, he uses a gentle persuasion, much like Christ persuaded him on the road to Damascus, to help them see that they haven't really changed; that their hearts haven't changed, and it's evident because they're not being generous in helping their fellow saints and their community uh, back in Jerusalem. So that's kind of eight and nine is this 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 idea that Christ changes us from the inside, and we see it. And he uses this really great persuasive technique about this donation. So a lot of application there. Um, I I love. Section uh, chapters eight and nine, and then finally ten through thirteen as we read about Paul's um he kind of challenges them and this is probably the section you're most familiar with and that's where we get the super apostles again there were these leaders there that had uh, were very good at scriptures they uh, knew all about Jesus and and Christ's mission uh, and yet they asked for a lot of money and then there's here's Paul who um, was also, he finally just kind of lays it out. Look, if anybody knows the scriptures, I was a Pharisee. And if anybody knew Jesus, I knew him as a, the risen Lord. And and in fact, I'd had visions of him. And then if anyone, um, uh, I never asked for money, right? He never asked for money. So he's, he, he hits it head on, but he's still humble. And he then talks about, again, this, this weaknesses and this humility or what a testimony of a true disciple is about. And so he's going to kind of challenge this idea of the super apostles. So clearly Corinth Corinth has just struggled the whole time, but Paul really wants to reconcile to them. And you'll feel this sorrow, this tone, as he goes through the reconciliation, their forgotten gift and this this, uh, donation they were supposed to be giving, and then his final challenge about authority and humility, all seen through the lens of Christ's suffering and resurrection as part of our walk of a disciple as well. Well, that's it. That's all about 2 Corinthians. We'll pick up next time and jump into some of these scriptures. And wow, it's just, it's better and better. I i just want to remind, amazing. I don't even know what I'm trying to say here, except that as I dig in, there's just a lifelong pursuit of of amazing scriptures in here. I could spend, what I'm trying to say is I could spend a lifetime in 2 Corinthians. And I, it's just, every time I read these things, there's so much more in them. So just... Uh, dig in feast this is amazing stuff and so applicable to us today so we will continue on our journey next time Uh, more on the second corinthians and that is it and a big shout out we had some listeners from more listeners from africa and the philippines join us so i want to welcome those from africa and we've really had great performance thank you for all of north america both canada and mexico doing great Uh, brazil you guys just amazing so thank you for all the shout outs and the support it's great to feel the community of of uh come follow me and and christ and discipleship growing that's it all right well thank you again and we will see you next time onward to second corinthians